Welcome to Transforming Conversations with Heinrich Titus, a monthly podcast exploring faith, culture, and society. A podcast for every generation. Welcome back to Transforming Conversations with Pastor Heinrich Titus. Today we have the massive privilege of hearing from Suneba Son, who is currently working at A21. A21 stands for Abolishing Slavery in the 21st Century. A21 exists to promote and to raise awareness of modern-day slavery, or as we know it, human trafficking, across the world. As the socks on, we currently have 40.3 million people stuck in modern-day slavery, be it human trafficking or unwilling domestic service. Um, and of that 40.3 million people, 70% of them are women or girls. With the focus on gender-based violence and femicide and um, that rhetoric and that narrative coming through um, so strongly in society, it really is a topic and a, a issue that should touch our hearts. And um, today, Pastor Heinrich and Sunay work around and talk through this issue and talk on the church's role in combating human trafficking. As Proverbs 31 verse 8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Human trafficking should be, in accordance to our duty and from Scripture, something that we, yeah, as parents, as congregation members, as sisters, as brothers, um, really consider and arm ourselves to combat, even if it is just in terms of recognizing and being able to see and know if someone is being trafficked. Um, this is an important conversation. It's an important conversation to have in the church. And we are excited for the insights from Sunay, who really has walked a, a close journey with this um, with this area of service. You can follow A21 and see their work on their website. All the links are in the bios. And we would love if you could engage with us on social media. Our socials are also in the bio. Enjoy the conversation. So I'm challenged by the fact that if I look at Jesus' life in the gospel, um, of course, we know that the kids were always welcome. And, and Jesus, in actual fact, made it very clear what happens if we don't look after the kids. But I think what we sometimes forget is the fact that um, he was an incredibly safe space for women mm. um, right from the start of his ministry. And I look at that and I'm looking at Jesus as the this, this safe space for, for women. And then I'm looking at the church. And obviously, if we say that we're Christians and want to follow in Jesus' footsteps, then there's a big challenge for us, you know, in, in sort of creating that safe space. Mm. Now, I know, um, so just from having known you for many years from Johannesburg and your passion for community upliftment and, um, but that passion on the one end, and I think it's probably safe to say the frustration at the same time with, okay, God, so I'm just one person, I'm, I'm part of a church, I've got a, a, a a job that I'm doing, what the heck, where do I start, what difference do I make? Mm. So maybe before we get into the bigger discussion of, you know, as today we're going to talk about um, the church's role in combating human trafficking, mm. um, but maybe just yeah, a little bit of your journey tonight around, you know, what, what burns in your heart, mm. uh, how did it get to you being involved with this organization right now, but especially that journey, you know, as being part of the church, uh, who's a collective, but also mm. you're an individual, where do you start? 
How did you, what was your journey like the last few years? Um, I know your journey, you had some, uh, some, some interesting, uh, I don't want to call it detours, yeah. but uh, uh, some interesting avenues that you explored mm. and, and yeah, the roads led you to this moment. So, yeah, yeah thanks. Um, it was an interesting journey mm. and it certainly was never what I would have imagined. Yeah. Um, so I come from a corporate background Yeah. and I think, um, not to say that you can't fulfill a great calling inside of corporate, but I think for me it was a great frustration feeling mm. like there's something more there mm. and at the same time not feeling like I'm called to be just inside of um, full-time ministry in the church. So I didn't really know where I belonged. Mm. As you said, community upliftment is a heart of mine. And so, but you certainly tried. I must just say that you certainly <laughs> tried a whole lot of different, yes. you know, angles into into church ministry in terms yes. of getting involved. You were you were you were never, uh, I think, safe to say from my perspective as yeah. a pastor, passive in yeah. any way. Even though you struggled with what does this look like? Yes, and I think um, that is that will always be a difficult area. Mm. Is how are we involved? Yeah. Um, but my heart grew more and more for turning outwards yeah. and not just being inside of the of the church community. Yeah. Um, so yes, I was never passive. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not my personality yeah. or yeah, my so style. Name, passivity <laughs> doesn't really go together. <laughs> but at the same time, um, there's so much fear that you don't even know exists until you start stepping outside of your comfort mm. zone. And so when I initially re um, resigned from my corporate job, there was no ideas in my head about permanently being out of corporate or um, yeah, not knowing where my fixed income is going to come yeah. from. All of those fixed things yeah. in my head were just, oh, I'm just in a transition phase. Um, and then it's not that the doors didn't open. It's just that I kept feeling, I just don't have peace about this. Mm. Or, and I just kept saying, okay, Lord, you know, you, you lead me. Mm. And it was, I will not go into details around that, but it was about four years of that sure. journey of continuously saying yes. And I know in the middle of it, I had one stage sat with a friend of mine and I said to her, I have no idea where to go because unfortunately I can't go back anymore. Mm. <laughs> I'm too far in now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm too far in, in saying yes. And um, I was exposed to human trafficking specifically well, the realities thereof for the first time when I went to Australia about four or five years ago oh, now. Yeah. And also the Lord led me to go to Hillsong there, which wasn't on my radar. Mm -hmm. I thought Hillsong was a band. <laughs> so <laughs> he led me to go to Hillsong. Yeah. Then he led me to go to the, the conference yeah. where Christine Kane spoke. Yeah. And it was something that just really stirred in my heart. And I'd been praying at that stage saying to the Lord, I want the thing that I want to fight, well, I'm willing to fight for, for the rest of my life. Sure. I want to find the thing that you, that stirs in me that will never end, the mm. passion that will never end. And it just almost dropped like a penny. But at the same time, exactly like you say, you're one person, what do you mm. do now? And so I immediately applied to be a volunteer with them. I think I wanted to go to Greece. And, um, Why after, Greece? Why Greece? Uh, Greece is where the organization started. So the organization started in Greece. Mm -hmm. um, and at that stage, we were kind of in the midst of the Syria refugee crisis. And mm -hmm. obviously, um, if you're looking at a risk profile for a human trafficking victim, vulnerability is right at sure. the top. Sure. So yeah. that is why yeah. um, they were dealing with it. They were in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. 
no, not passive. I mm-hmm. wanted to be right in mm-hmm. the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and only after I applied um, for the volunteering that I actually feel the Lord prompt my heart not to not to go. And I couldn't understand this because I was so amped. Yeah. And um, but then they came back to me and they said they actually fully booked for volunteers for about two years. Okay. And yeah, yeah. So I was really really upset at that stage. But looking back now, there was such an intense season of preparation, Mm. um, really needing to know who God is Mm. for me and really needing to know who his goodness, apart from any circumstance that needed to be cemented in my heart. Um, So there's no way you can walk Mm. in what God has called Mm. you to do if you don't have that firmly established your Mm. relationship with God. Mm. It's always the first priority and always Mm. the thing I need to keep coming back to. And if he had put me into that situation, then I wouldn't have lost it. Mm. it That's very work. interesting. It's very interesting. Mm. Uh, I've, I've got quite a few friends and, and family members even involved <coughs> in in the NGO environment and and people dealing with um, you know vulnerable women, vulnerable kids, uh, well, all sorts of trauma that people mm. have gone through. And what they do say is interesting is is how often people who themselves have been going through pain are then drawn to to others. Mm. Um, and initially that's satisfying, mm. but eventually, so I think the reality is that even meaning something to someone else cannot completely heal the pain yeah. or that void. Yeah. Unless, like you say, you've you've first settled something in your mm. in your in your own heart. Which of course doesn't mean that you have to be fully sorted out. No. Because we never are. <laughs> never. <laughs> you know, we're always on that journey. But I, but no. I do think it's it's probably something to just be aware of yes. that one shouldn't get involved in changing other people's mm. lives because you are running away from something or yeah. you're avoiding some difficult conversations maybe that you need mm. to be having with the Lord. Yeah, I think absolutely, as you say, this this year I've been involved with um, A21 now the whole year mm-hmm. and more healing has taken place in this year than even in the past that I thought mm. would be thought ever possible. Yeah. So it's not hasn't stopped. Yeah. But there were some fin- fundamentals that mm. that really needed to be sorted, if for mm. lack of a better word, mm. um, things that I needed to settle in my heart. And yeah. I can so understand that because if you have a, a wound somewhere hiding mm. of do you really believe God is good mm. and you're exposed to mm. the horrendous things mm. that happens every day, it's not. It's going to be yeah. a matter of time before yeah. you just you really do you fall apart. Yeah. So. I'm very, very grateful. How do you reconcile that? Sorry, Sunay. Just the risk of derailing the conversation. How do you reconcile that? Because, I mean, if if we look at the stats and you look at the visuals and you look at, I mean, our heart is to also provide our churches with some training material Mm. and some videos that would expose them to a lot of the stuff that's going on. I think sometimes it's just so much better not to know. Yes. Because then you can remain safe in your theological bubble and the things you think you know about God and and it's safer there than to be confronted with that tension. And how do you how do you live within that tension of oh, God is good, but mm. you know the stuff that I'm seeing around me. Just for for you, your yeah. what, what's your coping mechanism or or that knowledge that you receive in your heart that God is good? You know how does that? It's you know I've I've got so many different angles mm. on that because <laughs> you know the one is I it's going to sound crazy, but I went and I looked in all the definitions of what good is. <laughs> <laughs> Publicly and in Hebrew and in Greek because I wanted to understand it because I was, first of all, is our concept of good Mm. God's concept of Mm. good? Mm. 
Mm. When we say God is good, mm. what does that mean? Yeah. When we say he uses things for good, mm. what does that mean? Is it just a song? Is it just a song? <laughs> is it just yeah. a scripture that we yeah. like to quote when things don't yeah. work out the way that we want them yeah. to? And I mean, this is my revelation for me that came in it is just a small link that I made about the nature of God being good and that specific scripture, which says he uses all things for the good of those who love him. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, it, I sort of made the link that, you know, he's using it to make me more like him. Sure. Because if his nature is good and he's using it for good, that's what he's doing. He's using mm-hmm. every situation to make me more like him. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, when I came to that revelation, I didn't like it at all. (laughs) I really didn't. It was like, oh my word, this is painful because becoming like him is painful. The continuous dying to self is painful. Mm. And that tension isn't easy. Mm. Um, The tension, it's a deliberate decision for me to stay with my heart softened continuously, even though you feel it, it's heartbreaking. Mm. Um, I, I'm so aware now when I, when I harden my heart to the smallest of things, I'll hear something throughout the day and it won't be super significant at the time, but I'll go home and I'll realize I'm not feeling well now. Mm. I'm mm. something wow. is off. Yeah. And then the, the commitment to me is just to continuously take to the, to the Lord. Mm. And he gave me a promise many years ago before I even knew that I would be involved in any of this. He said to me that you are going to get hurt a lot. Mm. Um, but don't worry, I will heal your heart, sure. you know, mm-hmm. um, every time. And that is it. It's a continuously, I need to be diligent about that, whether it is taking time out to journal or taking time out to worship. Mm-hmm. And that has been my weapon as well. Um, something that I didn't understand four years ago Yeah, is when I'm really, really heavy and I have no answers and there is no, there is no words that is going to bring me comfort really. Mm-hmm. Mm. then I just, I worship the Lord. I place Mm. him above the situation, no matter Mm. what. Mm. I choose to, no matter what. And at the end of your 20 minutes or half an hour, your spirit is lifted. Mm. (laughs) Something happens inside of you. He does something inside of Mm -hmm. you. The Holy Spirit comes and heals. Mm -hmm. It's beyond what you can comprehend. You can sit and not do therapy or counseling. All of those things are tools that help people. In yeah. this field, I'm so grateful for my support structures. Yeah. But I mean, that can do sometimes what years in therapy can't yeah. even achieve. It's yeah. just, I don't understand this, mm-hmm. Lord. I do not. Mm-hmm. I do not get it. And um, having recently almost dealt with some old trauma that I thought had been dealt with, I was confronted again with this. It's like, am I okay with the reality of saying, yeah, God is good, but this happened to me. Mm. This this thing happened to mm. me. Am I okay? Can I really sit in front of the survivor <laughs> yeah. and tell them about it? But I had to stop myself, not from asking questions, but from going down the rabbit hole mm. because there's no peace in that place. Mm. There is no comfort in that place. And if I start questioning the only one that can give me comfort and peace, there's no way to go from there. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, that's that's tremendously encouraging. I think what I also hear you saying, I'm reminded of Jesus' words that, you know, we need to love our neighbor. First and foremost, we need to love God. Yeah. All of our heart, soul, and strength. And and that needs to remain a priority, <coughs> even when we do start reaching out to our neighbors yeah. and, and, and those that we're really trying to reach. Um, but at the same time, we can only love our neighbor to the extent that we 
love ourselves. And, and that's also a process, isn't it? Yes. Of honesty and accepting who we are and, and embracing who we are not and loving Jesus into that space and that and that, that mystery. Mm. Um, now, I read a book a while ago on Helping Hurts that, that speaks about the risk of, of assuming that we know what people need. Mm. And I think with human trafficking, probably be the same. Mm. You know, just looking at, you know, how would we know if, if someone is involved in it? What are the risks involved? And it's, it's all different, eh? I think one of the things that amazed me about what you said just in your research before and was that it's, it's rare that it's the girls that are abducted. Yeah. Not rare, but it's not always the girls that are abducted in our, in our country that mm. end up being being trafficked. There are all mm. sorts of other things. Mm. And I think to just maybe step away all of us from our assumptions mm. about what we think we know, and if we are in touch with our own brokenness and our mm. own need for healing, then we don't enter into the space with, I think, what they call the saviour complex, which we've all come across. But yeah. we, 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 we virtually basically just also, you know, people who are standing on level ground with these mm. ladies and, mm. and whoever else. And, I mean, we're not even talking about the perpetrators. Yes. Who are trapped themselves. You know, and that's a whole nother kettle of fish, yes. you know, in terms of the grace that they need. And, yeah. and and whilst they're still on earth and there is time for salvation, you know, before it's them, before God's judgment seat. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I just thought that's an important angle to, to have because I think sometimes we don't want to get involved because either we, we feel intimidated by our own hurt and our, and our own pain but to become comfortable even within mm. that mystery mm. of I, I'm still on this journey of healing. Mm. But it is important to be self-aware, isn't it? Yes. It's important to know um, in the areas where you, we did mm. get hurt, in the areas we do need God's grace. So mm. the devil doesn't use a lot of good words that we do mm. to substitute and, just, and, and we just stay busy. Mm. At the end of the day, we, we run dry. So uh, 821, just <laughs> how, you know, what, what, is, uh, what is 821? So A21 is a non-profit organization and they exist to end modern day slavery or human trafficking um, across the globe. Yeah. Um, was started by Christine Kane, the founder, mm -hmm. um, because she responded to a need. Mm -hmm. And that to me always stood out. She saw a yeah. poster of a girl that was missing and it was the same name, Sophia, as her, her daughter. Sure. Mm. Brought it home. <laughs> it brought it home. Oh, yeah. It's not just another child yeah. out there. This could yeah. be my child. Yeah. And when she inquired, she, you know, she came to realize that a lot of people are just, oh, yeah, they're missing. Nobody's mm. really mm. concerned about it or, you know, I'm not mm. sure about the details, but it, that was the impression that she got is that mm. it's just one of the realities. Mm. And that's when she became aware of it, um, that it actually exists. Mm. So A21, yeah, it stands for abolishing slavery in the 21st century mm. and it's a bold, bold dream. Bold dream that 100% gets reinforced in every encounter that I've had with this, the team, the global team, is that we believe we can do this. Mm. Not we believe that it is possible with mm. God, 100% um, partnered with God through mm. prayer. Mm. Um, but yes, mm. we do believe it is possible. It doesn't yeah. matter how big the task is. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I think that's probably one of the challenges of the church or the opportunities of the church, isn't it? If we look worldwide at just how desperate I think a generation is to be fighting for something, mm. something that will add value. And, and, and often, obviously, we are made aware of the fact that, uh, be it um, the millennials or the Gen Zs, there's a lot of selfishness within those generations. But yet at the same time, 
they really do want to make a difference. Yes. And I think that's an opportunity for the church to call people into living for something more than, than just uh, our own comfort. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so started in Australia, Greece is, 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 is a hub. There's a lot of stuff happening there. But you obviously led back to South Africa and mm. how have you found that journey? What, what's, what's our statistics like? I mean, or, or we, of course, know about the violence, mm. uh, you know, women being raped and being killed and, and just, uh, uh, you know, the domestic violence that goes on in our country. But as far as the human trafficking is concerned, is, is, that, an, is that an issue, really, you know, in our, you know, in our country? Yes. Mm. Um, in short, yes, mm. it is a very real mm. problem. Um, and... They, the estimates, their statistics are estimates at best. Yeah. So I'm always cautious about that. Yes. <laughs> but the estimate is worldwide 40.3 million people are wow. enslaved, wow. of which the estimate in South Africa is 155,000 in total. And then again, if you look at worldwide statistics, you've got about 70% of those being either women or, or girls. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, mm. a big number of women out there or young girls are yeah. affected by, by human trafficking or yeah. modern day slavery, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And do you guys find that it's something that's more prevalent in rural area cities? Is, is um, you know, do we have any, any indication as to sort of vulnerable areas maybe? I think we are more aware of it in the, in the bigger cities. I mm -hmm. don't think that it's not happening in the rural communities, especially mm -hmm. when you become aware of the types of, of human trafficking mm -hmm. that is prevalent. Yeah. Um, what is that for, you know, for, for someone like me that just thinks human trafficking, I think of prostitution yes. or child labor, you know, yeah. what, what other forms do we you so know, something, encounter? Yeah. Something that's quite common in South Africa is um, involuntary domestic servitude. And that is something that you would think it almost goes beyond your comprehension. Mm. When I encountered it, I couldn't believe that it still exists. What does it look like? That looks like very often a family member um, inviting, you know, the niece coming from the rural area to come and yeah. stay with us. Yeah. We'll look after her. We'll yeah. raise her for you. Don't worry. She'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And she's basically treated as a slave. She has yeah. to clean and maintain, often um, exposed to sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, so that is, that is what that looks like. Mm. Um, long hours. Mm. Sometimes there is an official arrangement whereby the person would say, you know, they think they are, they are going to work as a domestic and mm. then completely abused in that mm. situation. Mm. But very often it, it's a family member willingly sending someone there not mm. knowing the realities of mm. what happens. Mm. So mm. that is um, a reality. Um, labor trafficking is a reality in our country. Um, and sex trafficking, of mm. course, most mm. people are aware of, mm. is, is very much a reality in our mm. country. Um, I think you mentioned earlier when we spoke about Greece, the vulnerability mm. there is just, just massive, you know. So what are, what are some of the factors that that typically would be like fertile soil for, for this to, to flourish? Because there must be something, there must be some dynamics at play, you know, yeah. that make for, for these kinds of things to take place. I mean, on one hand, we, like we said, we have the wonderful constitution, we have all of these laws and things. Mm. Um, but why, why are we seeing an increase in this in our, in our, own, in our own country? Mm. So as you mentioned the word vulnerability, and I'll expand on that a bit more as what vulnerability mm. means, um, what is, how do we define that? But yeah. we usually say vulnerable person, you know, can be trafficked and they estimate 54% of South Africa's population is vulnerable sure. in some way, sh shape yeah. or form. Yeah, yeah. That includes wow. unemployment, uneducated, yeah. um, 
a refugee of some sort yeah. uh, here with illegal documents, so no way to mm. demand their rights mm. being protected, mm. a child, um, mm. difficult circumstances at home, so children running away, you know, mm. domestic um, violence. Mm. All of those um, mm. contribute to factors to why someone could be mm. a victim of human trafficking. Yeah, sure. What did you say, 50%, 55 54%. 54%. 54%. Mm. So that's like a, a underlying comorbidity for human trafficking, if, you wanna, <laughs> <laughs> if we want to couch it in uh, modern day. You in know, modern day, yeah. Yeah, what's, what's applicable to us. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's intense. It is, yeah. It's massive. And it's I, I suppose, like you've said, a lot of um, foreign nationals coming yes. from other African countries into our country and, and someone – from here sends an uncle or sends someone that they trust to, to bring these people across and then they either don't arrive or, mm. you know, the guy disappears with them mm. or they end up somewhere where it wasn't part of the plan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have documents here, you have no way and yeah. means to protect yourself. Yeah. I think one of the main things to be aware of um, is that trafficking doesn't, for someone to be trafficked, they don't need to cross a border. Mm. doesn't need to cross a border. Mm. It doesn't even need to cross a, a local border, you know, mm. between provinces. Mm. You can be trafficked within your own community. And mm. I actually remember attending the STOP conference at Shofar mm -hmm. um, Somerset a few years ago. And an example was of a lady in Stellenbosch who had applied yeah. for a job um, who was then forced to work as a sex worker. And yeah. they threatened, they used the threat of her child. Yeah. To, sure. to keep her there. Sure. She went there every day willingly mm. and went home every day mm. free, mm. but she had been tricked sure. into this. Yeah. So. I think that's an important uh, aspect to highlight because I think in my mind, also if you think about trafficking, you, I mean, your mind's eye, you see these long lines of mm. people, you know, being, being, being transported, you mm. know, in, 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 in trucks, you know, in secret mm. or boats or in trains and stuff. And of course that's part of the, the reality, but um, it's not always that dramatic. No, and, and and I think it's probably part of the challenge. How do we know? You know, what are some mm. of the some of the signs to look out for? Because I've got a suspicion it's happening all around us. Thank you for joining us today. This has been transforming conversations with Heinrich Titus, a podcast for every generation. We love to connect with our listeners, so please engage with our social media platforms.